fun again, everybody. It's another wild ride on the Seven Innings Podcast. BMO, Scarborough, Bro, Smitty, Jimmy may also, no promises, may also have a special appearance today from uh, from Ho-Ro and uh, the Doza. Of course, big news, uh, Jessica Mendoza joining the Mets uh, while still continuing to call Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, that's coming up uh, on the uh, on the program. Uh, conference play beginning in earnest. We'll talk uh, about that a lot. Uh, also a big week for both UCLA and Michigan. Uh, that's all coming up on the podcast. Uh, follow along uh, Twitter, Instagram. We're available on iTunes and also on the ESPN app on ESPNW. And hope- hopefully you've gotten your lineup card, which you can get at 7 Innings Podcast on the Twitter gang. So let's jump right in. Um, nothing new at the top of the poll, ladies. It's still unbeaten Florida State at number one, and they are just crushing it at the plate. Um, Amanda, not only number one in the polls, but number one in almost every offensive category as they get set for a road trip to Arizona this weekend. Their bats just haven't cooled off since Clearwater. I mean, I thought, you know, maybe, wow, what a weekend. They went 6-0 and and they beat all those top-ranked teams. I thought maybe their bats might cool off a little bit, but no, not at all. I mean, Callie Harrods hitting 500. And we're through 22 games now, so she's not hitting 500 through like a weekend, through 22 games. I mean, and they're just putting up gaudy offensive numbers. They've had 166 RBI. But here's something that sticks out to me. We talk a lot about Megan King, but they have a freshman pitcher named Mackenzie Herzog, who was actually hurt in that Clearwater tournament. We didn't get a chance to watch her pitch. Uh, she swings it a little bit too, but she's yet to give up an earned run. Um, who's only given up like six walks, eight hits in 17 innings. So she's starting to get back into the swing of things. And I think that it will continue to be really big for them as a team and their pitching staff. Well, and Amanda, to follow up, this is a team that is just flat out fun to watch. I mean, they're enjoying themselves. They're having fun. They smile. They make great defensive plays. Oh, yes, strong arms in the circle. You know, Megan King is in her senior season, outstanding, just dishing it from the left side. But yes, all those offensive runs make such a huge difference because their pitching staff can be relaxed. They're they're just, it's like the Women's College World Series. It was like there was no gap between last year and the start of this year. I think what's especially scary about FSU is right now they're leading the country in home runs. They have 38 home runs on the year. That puts them on pace to hit well over 100 home runs this season if they play as as close to as many games as they did last year. And what's even scarier about that stat is they've played a really tough schedule already. And I think through the regular season, their schedule keeps getting easier and easier. So that number is not going to dwindle and it's not going to start going down. So look out for their power numbers going forward. Yeah, you, you could certainly make a case uh, the first third of the season that Callie Harrod is your player of the year and Megan King is your pitcher of the year. King has started out 10-0, and has given up six earned runs in almost 60 innings of work. Um, so uh, Florida State stays atop the polls. We got more uh, coming up uh, shortly here. We talk about some interleague games as they get set to play at Arizona coming up later. So a good one there. Uh, number two in our lineup card we, we were all uh, highly anticipating the two games out in California, UCLA and Florida. And wouldn't you know it, the Bruins get the sweep, Smitty. They win both of those games. Rachel Garcia doing it at the plate and in the circle as they really kept Florida's bats quiet. And they chased Kelly Barnhill early in that first game. Really early. But when you look at the, the lineup for UCLA, their ability to – to hit the ball for average, their slugging percentage. They have seven athletes that are hitting over 300, two over 400. Uh, Brie Perez is just killing it at 460. So I love the way this UCLA team swings the bat. And again, you know, sometimes we talk about the fact that when you have an explosive offense, it really can be your best defense because it takes pressure off of the pitchers. Granted, Rachel Garcia, <laughs> you could give her a half a running game and she'd still beat you. But, you know, she she's just one of those kids that – when she has a lead, she's going to be that much stronger. And again, with younger pitchers on the staff helping out Garcia, it's going to help them. But I love right now the way that UCLA is swinging it. That offense is explosive and the knock, you know, Barnhill out early. It says a lot about your ability to touch the ball. Yeah, I got to be honest, watching those games on the internet, 
and this is one of the first times in the last four or five years that I saw a Florida team that just looked like they had no business being on the field with UCLA. They were outmatched in almost every single category. They had no fear. UCLA had no fear when they faced Barnhill. And I think they just set the tone early on in that game. I mean, they put four runs on her early. So for me, I saw a UCLA team that looked like they were on a mission and a Florida team that looked like they were back on their heels. I, yeah, I was watching those games too, Kayla. And I, to me, UCLA just, just looks like a professional softball team. And I mean that in a way, like, not because like every single player on the roster is a professional should be being paid like $5 million. I mean that in a way, like they're playing loose. They will make a mistake and they just kind of shrug it off. Like, Hey, no big deal. I'm going to be able to get past it. So I, I think of this team as like, they can hit the ball as Michelle mentioned, but their pitching staff, they have a true pitching staff. We'll talk a lot about Rachel Garcia, but the way that Megan Framo, what she has added as a freshman to their pitching staff is huge. And then also Holly Acevedo cannot go unnoticed with the way that she's throwing the ball early in this season to make a complete pitching staff and truly give UCLA some depth. Yeah, Amanda, to follow up on that, I think it's interesting when you look at those statistics that Rachel Garcia has only thrown um, a tad over 48 innings uh, so far this year, which is which is great because that's going to make her that much stronger down the road toward the end of the season. You know, Holly Rowe talked a lot about it last year coming into the Women's College World Series. Rachel Garcia looked a little tired because she had to do most of the pitching last year. So I think that staff definitely helped them. And one last thought, Bubba Nichols, I like to call her Bubba Benjamins because she <laughs> hits the ball. She's money. Um, she leads See, leads UCLA with six home runs. So again, big knocks for the Bubba, Bubba Benjamins out there. Yeah, we, we may see a, a lot of the um, career pitching records last a long time because of what we're witnessing now at, at the highest levels. You, you got two or three pitchers. And, and in the case of, of both UCLA and Florida, we, we might see three pitchers this year. And, and the numbers for an ace just may not get as high as they used to be because you don't want those numbers to be that high. You want everybody to stay fresh as you head towards the postseason. So a big week, an impressive statement made by UCLA um, that could help them late in the season too. When it comes down to seating, they would have the head-to-head advantage over Florida. More on the Gators as they jump into SEC play coming up in a little bit. They get ready to take on Tennessee. Number three in our lineup card, we talked about it last week. We we felt like Tennessee and Michigan were two teams that had the most to, to gain or lose, perhaps, out at the Judy Garmin. Tennessee's two big games got rained out. Michigan's did not, and Michigan struck back. Michigan made a statement behind lefty Megan Bobian, who was the national uh, pitcher of the week this week. They beat UCLA and Washington and the Michigan pitchers held uh, those two Pac-12 powers to three runs, nine hits in 14 innings of work from Bobian. Yeah, I, I well, both. <laughs> sorry, Michelle. I thought coming into this weekend with how Michigan had, had come into the Judy Garman tournament at a record of six and eight, this is going to be a huge weekend for them. And, and really, they might look back at this past weekend as a defining moment in their season come April and May as what really turned their season around. But the confidence that Megan Bobian pitched with, the energy that you saw Michigan play against these top-ranked teams with, and they had that Michigan never say die mentality that we're so used to seeing out of Michigan have whenever they play games that they showed the fight. They had the big hits that you have to have in the postseason. They were having them um, in February or March. I don't even remember what the date was because they would just change months. But um, it, it was really important. I think, you know, they beat UCLA and UCLA was undefeated. And you can say, was that a bigger win for Michigan or loss for UCLA? And by far, I think it was a much bigger win for Michigan than loss for UCLA. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Amanda, on that. And the thing that I love when you really dig into Megan Bobian's stats is that you know, she's keeping the ball in the park. She's only given up two home runs this year, only 14 walks on the season. She's averaging about a strikeout an inning. So she's putting herself in a situation for her team to be able to score, win her uh, some games uh, by keeping her team in the game. So I think that's going to be important, especially when your offense is struggling a little bit. 
So that was a huge win for Michigan. Yeah, I think this could be a turning point for the Wolverines. I mean, this is one of those pivotal moments in the season where you recognize, hey, we got those complete team wins. Yes, they relied on Bobian, but they needed those clutch hits, like you guys had mentioned, to get the Ws against those top-ranked teams. And now that they go play James Madison in Arizona State this weekend, the question is, is do you ride that momentum? Do you let that carry you and give you confidence moving forward? Or do you say, hey, you know, we got some good wins, like – We'll chalk it up to that. I mean, I think this is just a huge opportunity for them to boost themselves, especially heading into the Big Ten, because you know the Big Ten is going to be so much tougher this season. And here's one thing that I noticed was that they they had that UCLA win uh, on Friday, and then their two games on Saturday, unfortunately, got canceled because, you know, we're having all this crazy weather, like, everywhere. Uh, so it rained in California. So they didn't get a chance to play number 7 Tennessee and number 20 Oregon. So they had a day in between that huge win of knocking off UCLA to kind of think about it. But I was so impressed that they came back on Sunday. After a day where they could have just, like, ridden on, oh, yeah, we beat, you know, number two UCLA, we're good. They came back on Sunday and beat Washington and then also capped it off for a perfect weekend to go three and zero with the win against Northridge. Yeah, they have uh, they have started to, to come around. I think it was Faith Canfield who said they, they have found their identity, and uh, we'll see if Michigan can carry that forward with the likes of Natalia Rodriguez and Alex Subject and Lexi Blair, who all had had big weekends for Michigan as they uh, return back to the Midwest and. And then we'll get ready to get back to work. They've got a couple of big, uh, big games coming up again, I think down in um, uh, down in the desert. So we'll preview that a little bit uh, coming up as well. Number four on your lineup card with BMO Scarborough, Bro Smitty, Jimmy Softballs with us. Uh, we we got a lot of good stuff. We're going to talk interleague play, conference play. Uh, we'll shag some stats. We got some great stuff in the mailbag too, by the way, this week. We love it when uh, you, the fans, send us some questions to answer, including including a missive from Pat in Tuscaloosa. There's a good tease for you. <laughs> Pat in Tuscaloosa coming up later uh, in the mailbag. Uh, but at Coach Bolton 89 sent us a question on the Twitter, at 7 Innings Podcast, who might be some World Series wild cards? And so as you look at, you know, the top 25 and other teams receiving votes, I'll toss out a couple of teams that could be Women's College World Series wild cards. How about Jessica Mendoza's Stanford Cardinal? They are receiving votes in the poll this year. They have wins over LSU, Michigan, and Northwestern with Jessica Allister at the helm and uh, former Michigan World Series uh, star Jessica Merchant as one of their assistants with Tegan Cowles, with Alyssa Horeshko, with uh, Christina Inouye. They have quietly made some noise out west, of course. They have the very daunting Pac-12 schedule still to come. And I'm also interested to see how Virginia Tech does. They had a huge win last weekend. They got a split in the Georgia tournament, uh, their first ranked road win in six years. They've got two good pitchers in Kerry Eberly and Keela Rochard. They've got two good hitters in Darby Trull and Kelsey Bennett. So those are a couple of potential wild cards. And, and we've already mentioned on the podcast before the likes of Texas Tech and Wisconsin and Arkansas. What are some of your thoughts, uh, guys? We'll toss it out there. Who wants to go first? Well, I can tell you right now, uh, this maybe not be the wild card, but if you're watching Stanford, you need to watch Tegan Cowles if you're a young softball player. That is a kid that plays the game right. She works hard. She plays hard. She does everything 100% all the time. So I think it's, you know, we look at stars to watch. She might not be one of the biggest names in the college softball, but she's definitely one to watch. And I mean, I think that they have the potential. They have a deep pitching staff. They have five pitchers. So they, they could be one that go somewhere in a regional or super regional and pull an upset because of the depth in the pitching staff. Well, and somebody uh, want to answer that phone? Is that is that somebody calling in to try and lobby for a mention? They were, they were lobbying for lobbying for JMU. So, um, and, and that's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> James Madison. We saw them in Clearwater. They did. They knocked off a couple of top 25 teams. Obviously, ranked themselves. Megan Good. Talk about her abilities on both sides of the plate. She's great. You know, depending on who they match up with in a regional or super regional, that's a team, a mid-major that could very easily find themselves uh, in 
in Oklahoma City as well. Uh, the thing that I love about the teams that we were mentioning, you guys, is that they're all from different conferences. You have Texas Tech from the Big 12, Virginia Tech from the ACC, Wisconsin, Stanford, and even mentioning JMU. Like, I love that we're talking about new teams that represent all different conferences. And what strikes me is, Beth, you mentioned Virginia Tech. They were 23-32 and 32 last year. And they're 16 and three right now with their first year head coach, Pete Dimore, who was a assistant coach for Aaron Earlywine at Missouri. And then he moved over to Kennesaw State for a couple of years. And now he took over the program at Virginia Tech. And you talk about making waves. I mean, you turn a team around from being 23 and 32 for the complete year to already starting 16 and three and the confidence that it gives their pitchers that you mentioned Keely Rauschard and then also Carrie Eberly. I think this is going to be a team that's going to contend in the ACC. I mean, watch out Florida State. Yeah. And and uh, we're not telling the ACC coaches and players anything they they aren't already telling themselves, but that is a conference that has to get a big boost from Florida State winning the national championship. That is a conference that has to start having that depth and the growth of the other teams. We're going to see Clemson added yep. right next year to the ACC. Um, Duke and North Carolina have a big series, I think, coming up this weekend. So there has to be an elevation from the rest of that league now. And I think the impetus is there, Smitty, after Florida State's national championship. Yeah, and BMO, you know, the other thing that really makes a huge difference for these programs moving forward, the ability to recruit is the ACC network. Look at what the SEC network and being televised did. It pulled all those kids, all those great players from California out east. It's going to be the same thing for the ACC. When those kids are being recruited and know that they're going to be on television every weekend, it it makes a difference. The kids want to go where their families can watch and play and they can become superstars. Um, just to a button up, by the way, Texas Tech, 14th now in the poll. That's the highest ever. So congratulations uh, to them. They are bopping home runs all over the place. Uh, for Coach Adrian Gregory, a former Aggie star. Yes, I played with her. She was a senior when I was a freshman. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they have wins already against um, Wisconsin, Auburn, ASU and Oregon. So they're off to a terrific start. And, and speaking of Wisconsin, that's another former player, coach Yvette Healy, a former uh, star for um, Eugene Lenti at DePaul. So uh, they already have wins against Texas and Arizona state actually coming on the same day last weekend, Caroline Hedgecock, I think was the player of the week, helping them to get off to their best start ever. She had a couple of home runs and batted over 400 last week. Okay, so the thing about that, about Caroline Hedgecock, I saw her name and I was like, hold on, she was on the Arkansas roster last year. Yes, she was. And I don't, I remember her way more as a pitcher than her ever getting any at bats. Can anybody help me out with that? Like, did she hit much for them? Because I don't think she did. Amanda, we had the same exact thought process because I was like, wait a second, I know that name. Wasn't she a pitcher? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she still Uh, is pitching, but she's pitched like the. You know, like she's pitched the least amount of innings, but seems like in 10 innings, she's pitched great and she's hit five home runs on the year. Whoa. (laughs) Another team to watch as we move to number five now on our lineup card. We got uh, still some interleague play, some non-conference play going on. Uh, We mentioned Northwestern. This is a young team led by a lot of freshmen. Huge test for them. They will be in Norman, Oklahoma this weekend uh, to take on the Sooners. We already touched upon Florida State at Arizona. Um, Arizona's Jesse Harper, 13 home runs, I think is still number one in the nation. Um, and also Michigan JMU, a couple of teams we've mentioned, and I think Arizona state all kind of have a round Robin going on this weekend. So Smitty, what are you looking forward to interleague wise as we, uh, uh, start to round down the non-conference games? Well, Florida State at Arizona, I mean, think about the way that ball's going to be leaving the yard with that thin air, with the ability of both those clubs to hit home runs. I'll tell you what, the drop ball will be the pitch of magic in that series. Keeping the ball low and slow in that, and keeping it in the yard is is going to be interesting. But that matchup is just going to be outstanding. And, and honestly, as well, JMU, ASU, and Michigan, that series potentially huge for all three of those teams. Mm-hmm. Well, and at Arizona, it's a three-game series. So you're really going to get to see all the Arizona and Florida State really be tested and play it like a conference series and get in preparation for it. But I want to point out, Arizona is seven and five they have those five losses but they've won eight straight and actually nine straight when you um, consider that exhibition game that they played uh, in Palm Springs against Japan 
And, and um, you know, Dr. Bemo and Professor um, Smith proved a couple <laughs> of years ago with our scientific experiments that the ball yes, does fly farther um, in that desert air. I just I do <laughs> want to mention this, by the way, Jesse Harper, the third fastest Arizona player to reach 50 home runs. Only Kati Malga and Stacy Chambers got there faster. They are numbers one and two on their career list. So that's a big weekend coming up. Florida State and Arizona in the newly renovated Hillenbrand Stadium should be a lot of fun. Um, I did mention Northwestern. They're led by a freshman in the circle, Danielle Williams, with 10 wins already, and some really good freshman hitters, Nikki Cochran, Lauren Caldrone, Jordan Rudd. And, oh, by the way, when they head back to Norman, they will do so with pitching coach Michelle Gascoigne, who won game two of the Champ Series several years ago for said Sooners. Well, and Williams is a left-handed pitcher herself. So the fact that Michelle Gascoigne, the lefty, is working with the lefty pitcher, heading into Norman, where we know Patty Gasso loves the lefty pitcher, this is going to mm-hmm. be a pretty lefty-heavy weekend. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we also uh, put in a, a plug, Coach Hutch? Um, uh, can we get a Bobian versus Good showdown mm. when those teams play yes. um, Michigan against James Madison. That would be a blast. I can see Michelle dialing fans. right now. She's dialing yes. or texting to get on the phone with Hutch right now. Maybe that was the phone call. It was Hutch calling to inquire about who she should pitch in that game? <laughs> we, we only Chances wish. are she, we only yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Chances oh. are she really doesn't care what uh, I think she should do. So she's going yeah. she's gonna, to she's gonna throw who she wants. But, I mean, come on. It's got to be the matchup. <laughs> no, I, I one more thing is, is that, that just my opinion or what? Come on. No, it, I mean, well, we really wanted Garcia and Barnhill and we didn't get that. But yeah. uh, the one thing about Michigan too that we've yet to mention is that they have a really good freshman pitcher too and Alex Duraco, who we talk a lot about Megan Bobian, but Alex Duraco is legit. I've seen her pitch too. I think she's a great addition. All right, that's some of the non-conference stuff going on, but uh, everybody in the uh, the ESPN family is thrilled this weekend because we dive back in. Uh, with all kinds of coverage as uh, the SEC leaps in with both feet and uh, conference play underway in earnest, highlighted by Tennessee at Florida. So check your local listings. It's, it'll, there'll be a lot of softball on your app. There'll be coverage this weekend on the SEC network. Um, but you, you also will have undefeated still Alabama. They are traveling to Missouri uh, and I, I think, bro, right? You're you're on the call for uh, Arkansas Ole Miss, correct? I am, and that's going to be a, a, a good series because I think two of the players that were SEC Pitcher of the Week, Mary Half from Arkansas and Kylan Becker, who was the Player of the Week, are going to face at each other. Kylan Becker just came off of a 647 batting average weekend with five stolen bases. Mary Half had 34 strikeouts in 22 innings and only one walk in that whole performance this weekend. So I think it's just going to be a really, really good battle. It's down at Ole Miss, and it's going to be a, an op- awesome opportunity for – Arkansas, I think, to prove that they're worthy of a top 15 spot in in the polls. Well, Beth, um, Michelle and I talked to both Karen Weekly and to Tim Walton today. So I was curious because we, you know, that's part of our our morning, Wednesday morning this morning. Uh, But (laughs) Michelle, I I was curious, we haven't gotten a chance to talk. What are you most looking forward to this weekend with that series? Tennessee, Florida. Yeah, you know, both highly ranked teams um, looking forward to seeing the new facilities that, uh, you know, Florida just dropped $15 million on outstanding for the sport, uh, obviously for their program. I- I'm really looking forward though, seeing Ashley Rogers freshman from Tennessee yes. uh, come in and have to pitch in the swamp. You know, this is like, welcome to the sec freshman. <laughs> Here's the ball, go get it done. Um, but you know what? That's, that's what the sec does though. It's, we, you know, it's iron forges iron. It is the ability to go in every weekend and play in a really tough environment against a really good opponent. And it's that preparation that's going to make regionals and super regionals seem like, Hey, I've done this before. I've been in this, uh, you know, situation early on in the season. So this is no big deal to me. So I I think just the beginning of the SEC season, seeing these young freshmen uh, really starting to to dive in and, and get their toes in the water. 
Yeah, I agree. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was curious. Of course, we're on the same page thinking the same thing. I'm curious how Tennessee is going to work their pitching rotation with Ashley Rogers, the freshman. And of course, the old hats that we've seen pitch um, for the past couple of years, Maddie Moss and Kaylin Arnold. But I also, too, I want to see how Florida swings the bat at home. First SEC conference, they get to play a series for the first time. I want to see how their offense and their lineup starts to evolve and, and finds ways to score runs. Yeah, I think, I mean... The SEC, I mean, it's the, you know, the motto or whatever just means more. But when you hit conference play, there is just an extra added juice that these players feel and an extra sense of pride about going against a rival and having to win and grind over three games. I think there's something really special about that. And you talked, guys, about the Tennessee freshman pitcher, but I want to see how the freshman offense does. You know, we have the Shipman, Ali Shipman behind the plate. That's a freshman. We saw some of their performances in Clearwater. They're going to need the support of one of the best recruiting classes in the country as freshmen to be able to go into Gainesville and make contact off of Kelly Barnhill, get some key hits in some situations because you know the top's going to come through. You know Aubrey Leach at the top, Amanda Ayala are going to come through in the one-two spot. So how can you get production at the bottom to turn over the lineup? And, and it's not only the freshmen, too. There are some some big-name newcomers that have played in big games before, but they'll be getting their first taste of the SEC. I think a Kendall Lindemann um, in that series, the new um, Florida catcher, or a, a Sarah Cornell, uh, the, the other pitcher at Alabama. We've talked a lot about Montana Fouts, but Sarah Cornell, the transfer from Hofstra, who's undefeated in the circle for the Tide. How will she fare um, on the road in the SEC at Missouri? Something to keep in mind, too, as we get underway in the conference, the Florida Gators have won the last four regular season titles, and it is 12 years since someone other than Florida or Alabama won the SEC regular season, and that was Tennessee back in 2007. So the Tide and the Gators have owned the regular season in the Southeastern Conference now for over a decade. Can somebody else bust through and win the regular season as we get set? And we, we know how much fun the tournament has been yeah. over the years. I think it's seven different teams have uh, – or ten different teams have reached the SEC tournament final in the last seven years. But – the regular season's been a been a two man show for a long time now, so uh, looking forward to our our coverage all weekend long uh, on the app and on the um, SEC Plus and the SEC Network for you. Looking forward to that. Joining us now on Seven Innings Podcast is our superstar celebrity, Sunday Night Baseball analyst Jessica Mendoza. Jessica, congratulations on returning to the booth this season, but you have another job. What did you find out about this week? Yeah, I'm pumped, Holly. Yeah, superstar celebrity, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah, totally not. Um, it, it. I'm so excited because Brody Van Wagenen, who's the general manager of the Mets, um, Meg Aronowitz's Mets, um, is uh, an old friend of mine. He went to Stanford, played baseball there, and he asked me to join him in the front office. And he's been kind of pushing me to like venture into that role, just because, as you and I both know, there, it just lacks women. Um, there's very few Gene Afterman is one of the, the few that stand out to me um, who works with the Yankees as an assistant um, general manager. But I'm going to come on as a special advisor to him. And as opposed to just honestly just being there as like any kind of glorified person, like I'm actually going to be there during winter meetings, during draft day, like understanding the process. Like, you know me, Holly, just being such a nerd, I'm like learning about that aspect of the game, um, especially to be honest with baseball, the front office is leading the way more so than even the managers and the players. And I feel like for you, that is going to only add to your work as an analyst for ESPN, because then you can speak with more authority of here's why these numbers make sense for this trade or this contract or why this player is attractive to this team, because you're going to have all of that background information. So I think it can and enhance your role as an analyst. How do you see it having an impact? Uh- Holly, 100%. Like, as soon as Brody told me that, I mean, to be honest, I was planning on just trying to do that anyway, like, just because I knew Brody. I was going to be like, can I just get in the room? Can I just, like, I mean, you know this better than anybody. Like, when you can get behind the curtain of, like, how, like, who's pulling the strings? Who's making the decisions and how are they being made? And nowadays with technology and sabermetrics, those two things, which are really leading the way, no one's sharing, Holly. Like, it's, like, 
totally behind closed doors. And so, yeah, you're right. Like for me as an analyst, if I'm supposed to break down why Mookie Betts is doing the things that he's doing for the Red Sox, I can talk to Mookie. I can talk to his hitting coach. But like there's stuff that he's looking at that's technology-based and numbers-based that like I'm not getting access to. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm so excited about because I think it's just going to for sure help me more. Um, but also just like be able to broaden like my horizons within baseball in general. You know, I think it's interesting. We are on a softball podcast and just to kind of bring it full circle, but I think analytics is something that we under discuss in softball. And I know that coaches are getting more and more technology is um, how do you see this impacting softball and how that continues to, to move forward with the analytics of sabermetrics? Because I feel like in college, in, in college we have access to more, actually of a lot of this technology because a lot of it's coming from the college game. So even some of the stuff that you're seeing in bullpens from major league baseball is coming from colleges that are experimenting because they kind of have more ability, more open-mindedness to do that kind of stuff. And there's so many coaches within college softball. Heather Tarr is someone that jumps out to me that has always been Lonnie Alameda is another one that has really ventured into a lot more of the technology and what you can do to me. Like I'm a hitter, you know that, but like, it's, it's the pitching stuff where, Holly, if you can get immediate feedback for any pitcher in the country, um, college softball, that literally, like, her release point, you change it by, like, a half an inch, and now that pitch is going to be able to bend in a different way. And then you can see it right there as soon as you throw that pitch. Like, that, to me, it's like proof in the pudding. Because we know now, and, and you get this, like, college softball players, a lot of times they're saying, yeah, but my coach always told me to do this. Or, you know what, I always grew up wanting to throw my change up this way. The numbers right here show, and honestly, the axis, the spin rate, all that stuff is right in front of you saying that if you grip it differently, you'll throw it better. So I think it just helps the game. And I'm honestly seeing already coaches in college softball implement this into the game. I I can't wait to see how then it grows as we we get further into it. You know, I I can't wait for you to learn some of this too and then come back and teach us as well. Like, hey, you guys need to be aware of this. And and here's some of the technology that I'm hearing about that's making a difference because I do think in our coverage for college softball, that's where we could get better of what are the tools teams are using um, from hitting. So as you, I know you're at spring training and you've been going around the country kind of digging in with some hitters and pitchers before the season started. What are some of the things you're seeing that, that we need to be aware of? Um, I think it's, it's for, to be able to kind of factor in both of those things. And I, I keep, I hate going back to like the technology aspect, but we're at a time now where like you can like three dimensionally be able to, to now scout pitchers and be able to get in the batter's box. And with the video that we have, especially a lot of these schools that have so much video access is a hitter. You can get in the box and face that pitcher in a virtual way. Um, there, there's stuff that I'm just like blown away. Holly, cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, if I was able to get this information and honestly, like the numbers, like something that would tell me, Jess, you think that you can hit this low outside pitch? Let me just show you out of like 250 pitches that were thrown in that location, you hit two of them. Like what is, I mean, that straight up is like, okay, I need to take that pitch, you know, stop swinging at it. And that, that's where I, I just get blown away. I was with J.D. Martinez today and of the Red Sox, and he's sitting there just showing me like the stuff. It, this is a guy that almost won the MVP last year and was one of the best hitters in all of baseball, and yet he's like, dude, I got to change, man. I got to get better. And I'm just like, that's the stuff that I want to see in all, all aspects of the game. But even myself as an athlete, I'm like, gosh, I just wish there was more information out there then, but it's there now. And so I, I do get excited about it. So tell me what your typical routine will be like or how, how you will be able to be involved in the Mets front office and then doing your job on Sunday nights. Well, I'm headed there after I'm doing Red Sox games this week and then I'll head to Mets camp and that, I think, Holly, that's, like, my biggest thing is, like, what does this look like, you know? And, you know, I'm going to be in a room full of guys and all of them play Major League Baseball or were a part of it at some point, whether it was a manager, general manager, you know. So I'm the new kid. I'm the rook, right? And gr- granted, Brody's a rookie, too, but he's been involved. And my biggest thing is, like, how does this look like? Like, what's my input look like? Where is it going to come from? And when do I speak up? And, you know, I, I get nervous about it, like anything, and I know – you experience this a lot too when you're the lone female in an all male room um, is that you, you want to make sure you're, you're just kicking butt with when you do talk, 
when you do decide, like, this is the time that I want to give information. And so my day-to-day with the Mets, I don't know what it's going to look like yet because we're all trying to figure that out. They want me in the room. My biggest question for myself is, like, when do, when do you make yourself known in the room? Because right now I do want to listen a lot. I'm not going to come in and be like, hey, guys, <laughs> I got a lot of stuff for you guys to fix. <laughs> Let me tell you about the Mets, like what you need to do. I want to listen. I want to learn. But then there's going to be a time for me to speak up. And I think that's, that's for me, like, just kind of finding that strength, finding that, like, confidence to be like, you know, I deserve to be here. And this is what I want to share to help change, change the game in, in a different point of view coming from someone like myself. Great. I, I'm so excited for you. And, you know, I do know someone with an apartment in New York if you need a place to um, live part time. <laughs> You're welcome at the Rowe Family yeah. Home anytime you need to. Holly, Upper West I Side. Need that. Big time. Yeah, you're welcome there anytime. All right, well, we are we are going to be doing softball together soon. Um, we will see you this spring, and I can't wait. And I really can't wait to just pick your brain about okay, what what are what are people in Major League Baseball caring about right now, statistically, performance wise, in the batter's box from a pitch delivery system, from an injury and recovery system um, standpoint, and 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 teach us. So we cannot wait. Um, I know all of our seven innings podcast listeners can't wait to hear from you more as we move forward this, this college softball season. Congratulations. And thank you for taking time. Thanks Holly. That's Jessica Mendoza, ESPN Sunday night baseball analyst and new front office executive with the Mets. What do we think now? Uh, number seven, on our uh, our lineup card, Mendoza and the Mets. Now, I know there are some of us on the program that are disappointed that it wasn't the Yankees. Uh, but you know what? A big round of applause for Jess. It's what a lot of the guys are doing um, in the broadcast world in baseball. Uh, and, and so she has taken that opportunity uh, and will be helping out the Mets as well. Well, one of the things I want to add to that, uh, BMO, um, is that when, when you're talking to other professional athletes, there's just that common respect. And when I was fortunate enough to call that game uh, for TBS, it was the Dodgers at the Braves. When I walked into the locker room, Ben Sheets, who was pitching for, um, for the Braves at the time, he came up to me and he, he goes, Smitty! And I knew him because he was on the 2000 Olympic team. He pitched the, uh, the, the gold medal, medal winning game for Team USA Baseball uh, in the Sydney Olympics. And he's like, Smitty, he's like, I need to talk to you. He's like, you came back from that elbow injury. What did you do? I mean, it, the mutual respect between the athletes is something that that we all know. So maybe the average fan isn't aware of it, or they might be like, well, why is she going to be helping out? And I mean, we know that she's a great analyst and that she can pick apart a baseball game, a softball game, but it's that ability to say, Hey, I've been in this position. I'm a professional. I can help coach. This is the way I trained. Let's look at, let's look outside the box and think of things in a little different manner that maybe a woman does that maybe sees things differently than what a man does. So I, I love the fact, I love the fact that so many of the, uh, the guys are welcoming and are willing to say, Hey, you know what? Here's an elite athlete. It's not gender specific and anyone who can help me better, uh, you know, I'm willing to work with and, and to hear and to be coached by. Yeah, I think it's just so uh, inspiring. So from a different angle, just to see Jess continue to knock down these goals of hers, of things that she wants to do, because you know that she wouldn't be doing big things like this of now adding on to the Mets or calling uh, MLB games if they weren't true goals and passions that she wanted to do. So it's so inspiring for her to put a goal out there and set her sights on doing these big things and actually be able to achieve them. And um, she deserves it. If she wants to work for it and that's exactly what she wants to do, then props to her for just killing her goals and been setting such a good example for us all. Yeah. My first thought when I, I read that on Twitter is that her knowledge and success has transcended softball alone. She has the ability to reach different facets of not only baseball, but different athletes, different people that are climbing and trying to to climb the success ladder. And I think that what she has done in her career and proven is that her success and knowledge is applicable to so many things outside of our sport and especially with a sport that's so correlated closely. So I think it's awesome. And I think it's an inspiration for all young women growing up in sport period. You guys. And, and and from. Oh, you guys know who, uh, who's a really, really big Mets fan. Jersey Meg. Meg. Oh, Jersey Meg. Sorry, Meg. I said Vegas Meg. Jersey Meg. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt she is uh, the most excited of the bunch. So uh, Mendoza and the Mets, and that's something uh, that uh, a lot of folks are, are really excited about. Um, it's time now to put on our gloves and head to the outfield, ladies, um, so we can start doing a little shagging, Jimmy. This week on Shaggin' Stats. All right, shagging some stats right now. One of our favorite things to do all week long. I'm going to go um, uh, with the play of Faith Canfield and the Michigan Wolverines who had a huge weekend. And Faith hit 556 and had two game-winning RBIs in their trip out to the Judy Garment. So Faith Canfield helping Michigan find its identity. Amanda? I am going to go to the University of Houston to their senior pitcher, Presley Bell. In 35 innings pitch, she's only given up one extra base hit. It was just one home run that she's given up. So impressive with a .60 ERA, giving up one extra base hit. Unbelievable. Kayla, what you got? Uh, you know, Amanda, I'm really interested in this hits race. You brought it up last week with Katie Clark in North Texas, uh, where she was. Well, Callie Herod for Florida State has officially caught up to her. The two of them both have 32 hits and 64 at-bats, but you just wait because Florida State plays a doubleheader tonight. So looking for Callie Herod to be the <laughs> hits leader in the country as of tonight. All right, and I'm going to go back up to a Big Ten country and give a little love to uh, Wisconsin and their pitching staff. As a uh, team, they've only given up five home runs. They've kept the ball in the park. As a team, they've hit 23 home runs. So when you uh, bash the ball out of the park and defensively keep it in the park, it does some really good things for you. On another note, that pitching staff has only given up 22 walks. So they're doing a great job of keeping people off the base and making them earn their way on base when they do get there. All right, I was going to go uh, Houston, but Amanda stole mine. So uh, I got a little bit bigger picture one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I can't – are you serious? I can't believe that. Wow. Okay, we'll talk about that offline. I was just Sorry. trying to get away from the big five conferences, you know, so I was trying to find something out yeah, there. Yeah, same. Uh, but uh, what I'm going to ask you guys is kind of a question for my Shag and Stat. Um, do you know that there's only oh. two – uh, there's only one school in the country where they're both their baseball and their softball team is undefeated. Do you know which one it is? It's Florida State. It is Florida State. They're the only school in the country with a softball <laughs> and baseball right. team that's undefeated at this point in the season. Woohoo! <laughs> we thought that was, we actually nice. thought that was a trick question at first, Jimmy Softball. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do, do kids? Do the kids still play 500? You remember playing 500 where, you, you, you know, you would have somebody either throw grounders or throw a couple hoppers or throw the high fly balls, and it was full contact, knock people on their derriere. Like, that was the image I just had of Scarborough <laughs> taking Jimmy right out of the Amanda. way to get that <laughs> high fly ball for the Houston for the Houston stat to pick up the extra points as Jimmy is laid out flat. In desperate need of another step. Yeah, we all know that, you know, I would be the type to push somebody down like Jim to go and just compete hard and totally have the ability to do I so. I saw you stick your foot out, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Those were the, yeah, kids, learn how to play 500 and learn how to play hot box. Another great game growing up where you get caught between the bases and a rundown. Um, some good yeah. stuff. Uh, do we want to do we want to do some uh, mailbag right now? We've yeah, got some it. other questions. Yeah. Um, we, we got a we got a question about uh, what do we think of World Series expansion or other changes that we could make to the World Series? Um, do you want to see more teams? Do you want um, a day off between the um, semifinals and the start of the championship series and full disclosure, a lot of that depends on the television yeah. windows as to when we can get on the air. I kind of like eight teams. I, I think that's pretty good. Mm. I wouldn't mind a best three of five champ series. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Would you have to add extra day for best three of five? Sorry, Michelle. I mean, that's a lot of <laughs> days in a row of games. <laughs> 
Sorry, Michelle. Let's give him a day off and then stretch at best three out of five. And hopefully Jersey Meg won't be too bad at it. (laughs) Well, can you imagine the pitching staff? So, I mean, you talk about how important it is now for just three-game series, Mm -hmm. but to go to a five-game series. Got to have have the full roster involved, right? It's growth of the game. I mean, that's really what it's about. It's not about stagnating. It's like, all right, how can we improve the game, go further, improve the fan interaction? I do think the day off is an interesting um, conversation as well, but you talk about programming windows, Beth, but also who are we going up against? I know that time of year, it's the NBA finals. Um, so all those things make yeah. a difference when it, when you talk about TV and programming windows. I can tell you right now as a player though, if I was in the winner's bracket, I wanted like whoever came out of the loser's bracket to play as many times, as many days in a row. I think it's a huge yes. advantage when you win. So I was like, please do not give us a day off. I want to go play somebody when we're fresh and they're not. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Uh, but in terms of changes, I know that we we're talking about World Series replay. I think that that would be, I think that that would be a good change. I mean, those games mean so much. And I, I think adding replay and making it specific for what you can challenge as a head coach, I think would be beneficial. So who knows how far we are from, from adding that, but. Well, you just you just inched us closer to um, the uh, question from Pat in Tuscaloosa. It's actually, it's actually some dude Who's named at UA <laughs> Coach Murphy, um, and he has he has he has written us War and Peace. But that was his first question. Your thoughts on instant replay in softball? I, I think I, I would love to see it at the World Series. Um, and you have like one minute to take a look at at a. Uh, scoring play, for example, um, or a play that affects the score. That I, I, we have that technology. We have the ability to look at it. Let's go ahead and do it. I, I wouldn't mind that at all at the World Series. Agreed with the way you presented it. Uh, it's time is of the essence. Pace of play is a massive thing. So uh, it has yes. to be a cap of time on it, how long it can take. And maybe maybe it's not even that the coaches get to decide. Maybe it's just an independent official that says, hey, that's a close play in a, an important situation. We're going to take a look at it. So then it can't be partisan on on either side, always wanting replays. Sounds like a job for Vegas Vicky. I don't know about you guys. Uh, she, I, but she I heard she has some that. spare time, so uh, <laughs> she can fit that into her schedule pretty easily. Um, at UA Coach Murphy, uh, also, what, what can we do to better market college softball programs? I, I think one of the things that you know seems to be very attractive to younger fans of every sport are, are the analytics. And so the more statistic information that we can get, I I think is a fun thing to incorporate. I've always been a a proponent of, is there some way we can get fantasy uh, sports into like the WNBA into uh, college softball? How cool would that be? And then I think the other thing that we have to keep doing is play strong schedules when we have these big non-conference games early in the season, we've got a much better chance of putting those on television and getting more people talking about them. And think of the fun fantasy league na- team names we could come don't up with. Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't tase me, bro. <laughs> and then the third thing, my goodness, it's like the, it's like the Pat Murphy show here today. <laughs> Who are the TV stars of tomorrow? Um, we've talked a little bit about some of these freshmen. Of course, they've got a good one in Tuscaloosa and Montana Fouts. I, I, and, and Ashley Rogers at Tennessee, Danielle Williams at Northwestern, some of the folks we've talked about on the program already. I, I think the game seems to be in pretty good hands with these young stars rising. Yeah, a lot of heads nodding. Right yeah, sorry. <laughs> we're so we're so respectful of each other and don't want to ever step over each other. So that's why when there are pauses, we want to see who wants to talk next and not interrupt each other. But anyway, um, I think that Brianna Perez is a star for UCLA, and I think that she kind of gets overshadowed. But the way that she stepped in that shortstop position defensively and took the the spot of De- Delaney Spalding, who was their All American shortstop and will most likely be the Team USA shortstop for the Olympic team, I mean she she hasn't skipped a beat. She is unbelievable at the plate, unbelievable on defense, and so much fun to watch play. And she kind of doesn't get talked about that much because they have so many other stars, including last year's National Player of the Year, that we don't talk about her much. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, you know, looking at a team like Oregon, you know, with everything that's happened to them, what we've seen is the ability for some people that weren't going to play with the returners that they had that are getting an opportunity. I think Rachel Sid is one of those players. She's a freshman. She has leads a team in RBIs. She is just a fierce competitor. So, you know, you look at that situation, but it was it allowed the freshmen and some newcomers the opportunity to shine. And I think that's what's cool about coming as a freshman and beating somebody out is you have a platform and you have four years to make a name for yourself. And we're seeing that happen more consistently, especially with the transfer roles, just making things a lot different. Yeah, Kayla, I agree with that. I think another great freshman for Florida State, Kat Sandercock, and I'm in the circle and doing a really good job helping out Megan King. Um, you know, again, developing a staff. Lolly Almeida talks about that all the time. There's so many good freshman pitchers, you guys. Like I was thinking about that earlier. I feel like we need to either next week or at some point do a segment just on freshman pitching because there's so uh, many good arms. I'm writing that down. That's what we call a tease, folks. That's what we call a tease. Noted. Well, we're <laughs> James. Uh, yeah, we, we ready for a little uh, give me some Jimmy? We're not going to tease the folks any longer. They've been waiting for the nine spot in the batting order all day long. So give me some Jimmy. All right, I'm going to start out with a joke, okay? Michelle Smith walks into a bar. She goes up to the bartender <laughs> and she says, hey, I want to buy beer for all the people in here. And the bartender says, sorry, we don't serve pitchers. Ah, that's good. good. Jimmy, give me some Jimmy. Okay, so the bigger surprise was the bigger surprise was if Smitty ordered a beer instead of wine. That would be the bigger. Well, she was buying it for everybody. She wasn't buying it for herself. She was buying it for. Her. So the story behind that is, uh, so I yesterday um, I was sitting at my house and I said, uh, "Hey Alexa," because I have my Amazon Alexa up. Uh, tell me a softball joke. And the joke that came up was that joke only with Jenny Finch in there instead of Michelle's name. Oh, so uh, I was like, Alexa, Alexa oh, that's a, that's a great joke. Good job, Alexa. Wow. Okay. And Alexa knows Jenny Finch. I love yeah. that. So, right. so let's, let's get to a question, though, uh, Michelle. So we know all these great things about you. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Successful <laughs> businesswoman, ambassador of softball, um, all this other stuff. Wine connoisseur. What is something that Michelle Smith is bad at? Can you tell me, like, can you, like, not cook toast <laughs> something? Can you tell me something? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> How, how much time do you have? I, I, the list is very long. Let's see. I could not do a cartwheel to save my life. Look at me. I'm almost six foot tall. Do not want to see me in a gymnastics, a leotard. Oh, my God. That would be awful. That would blind a lot of people. Um, I'm not very good at, at cooking at all. You know, I, I have takeout all the time. So, um, yeah, there's a, oh the list would God. go on and on and on. I have not heard the word <laughs> oh, leotard <laughs> I know, I know. I was going to say, leave it to give me some yoga pants. Yeah. Wow. I just, wow. I when, And whenever Michelle said it, it popped into my head, the picture of her in a leotard trying to do a cartwheel. And I can't, I can't get it out. I believe it was a... a and you guys, you know me. I'm not good at English. Come it was on. Olivia Newton-John in the Let's Get Physical video. Flatbands <laughs> and all, yeah. A headband and a headband. Oh, my God. And a headband. So funny. Oh. The headbands, by the way, are making a return, a comeback in the NBA. Have you seen that? And scrunchies are too. Yes, in the NBA, yeah, yeah. scrunchies in the NBA. Are <laughs> they? <laughs> oh, Beth, uh, we're running a little long, so why don't you just take us home? <laughs> All right, hey, we're uh, we're on the Twitter and on the Instagram. Find us on iTunes on the ESPN app on ESPNW. If you've got a question for next week or a suggestion, since apparently we will be covering freshman pitchers, <laughs> uh, give us a shout at Seven Innings Podcast, and we will see you out there on the road. To-